Hi, I'm George Foreman. Do you have an idea for a new product or invention? People ask me all the time, George, how do I get my idea in front of companies? How do I get a patent? What do I do next? Do you have the same questions? I'll tell you like I'll tell them all. Call my friends at InventHelp. Call InventHelp today for free information. InventHelp can submit your invention to companies who are interested in receiving new ideas. To get your free inventor's information, call 1-800-352-3719. That's 1-800-352-3719. Radio Influence.com. This is Beyond the Badge on Radio Influence. A look inside the biggest and most controversial news stories you need to know now. One of the country's most relied upon law enforcement analysts, Vincent Hill. This guy looks like he's up to no good or he's on drugs or something. It's raining and he's just walking around looking about. Yeah, he's coming to check me out. These assholes, they always get away. Don't turn and make a left shit. He's running. Are you following him? Yeah, okay, we don't need you to do that. Hey, good evening and welcome to Beyond the Badge. I am your host, Vincent Hill. That means it's Tuesday. It's 8 p.m. I'm here to talk to you about some serious stuff going on in the world of policing. And what you just heard was a snidbit of George Zimmerman's 911 call. And for those of you that may have been hiding under a rock who don't remember George Zimmerman, George Zimmerman shot and killed Trayvon Martin a few years ago down in Florida. Uh, this was one of the, the main cases that started the whole Black Lives Matter movement uh, and what we see today going on. And it's always been associated with police officers, white police officers, killing young black kids, which I've said a hundred times, and I'll say it again, is so unfair to police across this country because George Zimmerman was not, although he aspired to be, was not a police officer. He was a citizen who did stupid things, who caused a tragic event, And now that case is associated with police officers across this country. We've seen it. We've seen Trayvon's mom get invited to the Democratic National Convention. We've seen his face everywhere, which I'm all for because he did die senselessly. But I'm not for attaching that to police across this country. And the reason I I played that is because I don't know if you remember back in 2014, there was an incident between George Zimmerman and some guy named Matthew Epperson down in Florida where the two got into a scuffle and there was an alleged that George Zimmerman had a gun. This guy had a gun. This guy fired uh, around at uh, George Zimmerman's truck, shattered his window. The bullet lodged uh, inside the car somewhere. He supposedly Zimmerman supposedly suffered minor injuries from the glass and metal fragments. That guy, Matthew Epperson, was sentenced back on uh, the 17th, which I believe was uh, yesterday, as a matter of fact. He was sentenced to 20 years in prison for aggravated assault. Now, why am I bringing this up? Of course, the outrage that went along with the George Zimmerman acquittal in the death of Trayvon Martin, we know how that went. And now, of course, there's already people saying, well, It's okay for Zimmerman to kill a young black man 
But if a white man shoots at him and all of a sudden justice is served, justice is, is served and this guy goes to prison for 20 years. Well, I'm going to break that down for you. And I've used this phrase before, but I'll say it again. The law of the land outweighs everything. Let me say it one more time. The law of the land outweighs anything. Contrary to what any group out there says, whether it's the BLM, Department of Justice, whoever, contrary to what they say, the law of the land is what determines who goes to prison and who doesn't. So let's look at this Matthew Epperson person first. Uh, again, there were some he said, she said. He says Zimmerman pulled a gun first. Zimmerman says that's a lie. The fact is, the evidence showed that Epperson did fire into Zimmerman's vehicle, causing whatever injury there was. So the offense of the crime of aggravated assault was there. But here's why he got sentenced, because he was charged with the correct charging instrument. And Vince, what do you mean by that? Well, it's simple. Think back to Trayvon Martin and think back to all of these groups and attorneys and civil rights leaders that demanded a murder charge in the death in the death of Trayvon Martin. There was nothing there to charge that because you need a few things to charge that premeditation, malice, intent. They didn't have that. And the reason I, I played the 911 call or portions of it at the beginning is let's look at the facts. He says there's a guy here. He's acting suspicious. The dispatcher. And I didn't play the entire 911 call. If you want to hear it, it's on YouTube. You can look it up. It's only about four minutes. The dispatcher says, is he black, white, Hispanic? Zimmerman's first response was, I think he's black. Meaning he doesn't know for sure. So a few seconds go by and as Trayvon gets closer, he says, yes, he's black. So that eliminates the racial piece of it because Zimmerman did not call in and say, hey, there is a black kid walking around acting suspicious. He said, there's a guy, right? So then is he black, white, or Hispanic? Oh, I think he's black. As he got closer and he says it in the call, he's coming closer to me. Yes, he's black. So initially during that call, he could not tell. Let's think about it. It was dark. He had on a hoodie. So unless you get a good look within a few feet, you can't tell the race of someone in the dark. Go try it. Unless they're Casper, late at night, in the dark, with a hoodie, unless you're right in their face, you're not going to know. So then he says, well, he's coming closer. And then you heard where he said, oh, he's running. Well, let's be honest. He was running because this weird-looking guy was following him in the dark in a pickup truck. So what do you think Trayvon was thinking? He did exactly what any kid should have done. Hey, there's this strange looking dude following me. I'm going to take off running. And that even came out in the trial, how his friend or his girlfriend or whatever her uh, relationship to Trayvon was said, yes, he was on the phone with me saying there's this guy following me. So that all makes sense. So then you hear the dispatcher tell Zimmerman, we don't need you to follow. And here's where this case 
went horribly wrong for Trayvon Martin. George Zimmerman, a citizen, a wannabe cop who couldn't pass the police academy, who was demoted to neighborhood security, decides to get out of his vehicle and chase Trayvon. The dispatcher even told him, hey, don't do it. So the minute he decides to do that, and I, working plainclothes narcotics, or off-duty, never, ever, ever, ever got out of my vehicle in plain clothes and chased someone without some identifying item to let them know I was the police. And when I was in plain clothes, yes, we had a vest that said police and it had our badge on it. So it was kind of obvious. But you best believe there's been plenty of times where I've seen crimes go down when I'm off-duty in plain clothes that I've called and said, here's the description. Here's the direction of flight. You guys handle it because I don't want to get killed. I don't want to have to kill somebody. I don't want to get mistaken when the police in uniform show up and they kill me. It's simple. So here's what happened. He catches up with Trayvon. Now there's only one side of the story because Trayvon is not here to tell it. But here's what I truly believe happened. And even George Zimmerman's karate instructor said, yeah, George couldn't fight his way out of a paper bag. Here's what I truly believe happened. He caught up to that young man, Trayvon Martin. Trayvon, again, thinks there's this weirdo trying to kidnap him or do whatever. Now, he may have said, oh, I'm neighborhood security. He may have said all that. But, again, late at night, you're following me in the truck. I start running. You run after me. Trayvon started to kick George Zimmerman's butt. He was probably whooping him pretty good. There's screams. In someone's call, I can't remember who it was, where you can hear someone screaming. Now, George Zimmerman's aunt says that was Georgie screaming, help me, help me. Other people say it was Trayvon. I personally believe it was Trayvon screaming because here's this fat-looking dude just chasing after him. Some Oompa Loompa-looking guy chasing him. He gets into a fight, and George Zimmerman, getting his butt whooped, pulls out his gun and shoots him. Now, here's where this case went wrong. The law of the land. Remember I talked, the law of the land. Now, you can spew that it was racial all you want. But, again, you can't prove that George woke up that day to go find a black kid to kill. You can't prove at the beginning of the 911 call that it was racially motivated. Is he black, white, Hispanic? The standard questions dispatchers ask. I don't know. I think he's black. Oh, yes, he's black. So that tells you right there, he wasn't for sure at the time. So then you charge this man with murder. And any attorney should have told that family, hey, look, let's be realistic. We don't have a murder charge here. Let's go for voluntary manslaughter. Let's go for manslaughter. Let's go for anything but murder. And guess what? They probably would have gotten a conviction. Because then what happened during the trial, and think back on it, before the verdict was read, the jury, the jury asked three separate times, and it may be more, Hey, what is the charging instrument for manslaughter? 
So me as a prosecuting attorney would say, hmm, maybe the jury is looking at a manslaughter conviction. I know what I'm going to do now. I'm going to change my charging order from murder one to manslaughter. And guess what? George Zimmerman will spend 20 to 30 years in prison for the death of Trayvon Martin. But that did not happen because the family had Al Sharpton. They had Benjamin Crump. They had all of these people whispering in their ear, Oh, this is murder. This is murder. And you could never prove it. You could never prove there was murder there. Here's the definition. The unlawful premeditated. Premeditated. That means George Zimmerman, that Sunday, woke up, said, you know what? I'm going to go find this kid named Trayvon Martin, who I've never, ever, ever, ever come in contact with before. And I'm going to find a reason. I'm going to find a reason to kill him. They never had that. The unlawful premeditated killing of one human human being by another. That is a definition of murder. And it talks about malice. Now, for those that don't know what malice is, that means you just don't like somebody, right? So let's look at manslaughter. Manslaughter is a killing committed in the absence of malice, brought about by reasonable provocation. Reasonable provocation, meaning Zimmerman was getting his butt whooped by this little kid. He didn't like it. He didn't know how to fight back. So he shot and he killed him. The jury asked three times, what is the charging order for manslaughter? Had that case been charged as manslaughter, George Zimmerman right now, I assure you, would be in prison. There would be justice for Trayvon Martin's family. There would probably not be an association with Trayvon Martin and police, specifically white police, across this country anytime something happens to a black male who, by the way, is committing a crime. Let's be honest, Trayvon Martin, the kid was just out at the store getting some Skittles and a sweet tea. He was not Alton Sterling, who had a gun and was resisting arrest, right? He wasn't him. He was not Freddie Gray, who was running from police, who had been known to sell drugs in the community. He wasn't him. He was a little kid who went to the store on the weekend at his dad's house to get some sweet tea and some Skittles, and he encountered an idiot. But because he was acquitted, that idiot, now Trayvon Martin's name will forever be associated with white police officers and anytime something goes on in the black community. And that is wrong as wrong can be for police across this country. And there's a few people I blame for allowing it to happen. And it starts, and yes, I'm going to say it, if I had a son, he would look like Trayvon Martin. Well, Mr. President, you didn't even know the facts of the case. And if you were so concerned with, if you had a son, he would look like Trayvon Martin, you should have had the kahunas to speak up to Benjamin Crump and the Al Sharpton and tell them, shut the hell up and let them charge it the way that you know a conviction can come from. But did you do that? No, you decided to just say, if I had a son, he would look like Trayvon Martin. And that was the end of it. So that tells me, Mr. President, you really didn't care about Trayvon Martin. You cared about your own agenda, because had you done that, 
since you want to send the Department of Justice everywhere else when police are involved, had you done that, you would have had some smart attorneys say, oh, Mr. President, we should tell these attorneys, since you like to get involved in everyone's business, that they should charge it as this to make sure George Zimmerman goes to prison. But you didn't do it. Essentially, what you did do, however, is help create the monster that is George Zimmerman. Because look how many times since Trayvon Martin, he has been in the news for doing stupid stuff. Pulling a gun on his father-in-law. Pulling a gun on this guy that just got 20 years. No telling what else George Zimmerman has done, but the actions of, if I had a son, he'd look like Trayvon, but I really don't care what happens in the trial. Those actions led to the creation of the monster of George Zimmerman. And I will go on record, and it's probably going to piss a whole lot of people off. Trayvon Martin's death had nothing to do with his race. It had everything to do with the fact that this little Oompa Loompa, who couldn't make it as a cop, who only made it as neighborhood security, he probably had a little badge with them too, he came in contact with Trayvon Martin. Had that been a white kid, had that been a Hispanic kid, he probably would have done the same thing. Because when he said in, in the 911 call, these assholes never get away, he didn't say these, I'm sorry, these assholes always get away. He didn't say these niggers always get away. He didn't say these black bastards always get away. He said these assholes. So he's probably come across a few white people that he's, oh, I'm neighborhood security. Are some Hispanic people? Oh, I'm neighborhood security. Because he wanted to be that guy. He wanted to be that guy. He had the Napoleon complex. So you can't tell me that only because Trayvon Martin was black that the entire case was racial. And anybody mixed up in that bullcrap that it was is just idiotic because they're not seeing the big picture. You have idiot, Oompa Loompa. You have Trayvon Martin. You have idiot, Oompa Loompa, and Michael Jackson. Anybody that would have come across George Zimmerman would have ended up in the same boat, period. But enough about Zimmerman. So on to other news. You know, I was reading some articles and one that struck my eye. Uh, it's up in New Jersey, Woolwich, Woolwich Township, New Jersey. Essentially what they did, they painted blue lines on the streets in support of police. And what they did, you know, the double yellow lines uh, on certain streets, they sprayed uh, blue paint in between those lines, of course, support the blue, back the blue, right? So, of course, there are some people saying it can be perceived as racist. John Burns, chairman of the Black Lives Matter movement of New Jersey, said they divert attention from issues such as racial bias by officers in our response to the perceived threat. So here we go again. Everyone is saying that police are just racist, untrained, white thugs, right? So just so I'm clear, there are cities across this country that are telling schools and federal buildings and 
city buildings that people can put up their Black Lives Matter propaganda and it can't be taken down because of the freedom of speech. And now all of a sudden, if someone wants to paint a blue line down the road, it's a symbol of racism. You know, I had an epiphany the other day and it it hit me like everyone is so quick to talk about white privilege. And this is really going to piss a lot of people off. People are so quick to talk about white privilege, but we are in a society. We are in a society right now where there's so much black privilege going on and it's okay if it's going on and it benefits black people. But the same things that you want, you're telling someone else they can't do. Oh, you can't wear this shirt because it can be seen as racist because you support police. Oh, you can't draw something on the street because it can be perceived as racist because you're the police and we fear you. But don't tell us we can't come in here and say, oh, hang up this Black Lives Matter Uh, banner in your city office and oh yeah and don't tell us that we can't sell and go look it up I'm not making it up hoodies that say all white people are racist we can do that but you can't paint a blue line down the street or you can't say publicly that you support the police because you then are a racist you are using your white privilege so it's okay If certain people in the black community are getting what they want, but they don't want to use the word black privilege. Well, what is it then? Since you want to always say white privilege, what are you doing yourselves? If you say that white privilege is historically racial, right? Do you not see the issue with what some of your demands are. And I've read some pretty stupid demands on the Black Lives Matter movement website. That has nothing to do with black people only. Some of that stupid some of that stuff is so ridiculous. If you haven't read it, go check it out. But it, it hit me like a ton of bricks the other day. I was like, holy crap, we are now seeing black privilege, but nobody wants to speak on it. Because everyone's still oppressed. Everyone's still dealing with this racist, untrained society of thugs known as uh, police across this country. So we don't really have black privilege, but don't tell us we can't sell a certain t-shirt. Don't tell us we can't raise a certain banner or we're going to tell you that you're using your right white privilege against us. And for the record, black lives matter. For the record, for many, 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 many years before I was even thought of, the thin blue line, as it's called, has historically been used to honor fallen officers. And get this, get this, it symbolized the duty of police to protect the citizens from criminals. That is the history of the thin blue line. We're not talking the Confederate flag that at one point had racial undertones and at 
it, depending on who you ask now, it still does. In my opinion, it's just a symbol that has nothing to do with how someone actually feels about you. But for all of you that were uneducated about it, let me tell you, historically, it meant police were honoring their fallen officers. So what now <laughs> police departments can't do that. Is that what you're saying? Because that would be their white privilege to do so. Well, what about the countless black officers that have died in the line of duty? What about the countless Hispanic Chinese, you name it alien. What about those officers that have died in the line of duty? What now we're not supposed to be able to proudly flaunt the thin blue line. Really? Really? Callan Kaepernick proudly sports a 1975 Angela Davis Afro. Are you saying anything about that? He kneels during the national anthem. Are you saying anything about that? But God forbid the police want to take pride in the thin blue line. They're automatically racist. Well, I had one of those stickers on my cars for many, many, many years. I'm a black guy. I saw one on a car the other day by a black guy because he understands the symbolism of the thin blue line. It never had anything to do with racism. Oh, I know. It's white privilege, right? Anyway, moving on. So last week, I, I, uh, I talked about the female officer in Chicago who was beaten by the suspect who rammed her head into concrete. And I said, somebody probably has video of it, right? So guess what? Since everyone was, oh, we need body cams. Oh, God, we need body cams. Guess what? The officers had body cams. Thank God they had body cams. But I tell you what, if you haven't seen it, go look it up. It was brutal. And for those that say, oh, they, they could have tased him. <laughs> they did tase him a few times because you can hear it. You can actually see a few of them where he was tased. <laughs> and guess what? He was still pounding her head into the concrete. So if you didn't believe me before when I said, Sometimes you can taste someone and they just look at you like the devil. Go look at it for yourself. This isn't altered video. This isn't from someone's cell phone 30 feet away. This is from the body cam of one of the officers. Go look at it and then tell me had that officer shot that individual, would she have been justified? And I will tell you, like I said last week, yes, she would have been justified. And even with the body cam, <laughs> you could have de-escalated the situation. He didn't do nothing. He was a good boy. Bullcrap. He was beating her almost to death. And because of the society and the mentality of the society that we're in today, that officer almost lost her life because she didn't want to be the next officer. And yes, she's white. And yes, there was her partner there. And yes, he was white. And yes, mathematically speaking, two officers should have been able to 
control one suspect if you're looking at it from a math standpoint. But for those like myself who have been in those situations where I've been with five other officers that couldn't control one suspect, that is not always true. So there's some that would say, well, they could have restrained them. They could have done this. They could have done this. It's easy to Monday morning quarterback something when you've never been in the freaking game. That's really easy to do. People do it all day. But it just goes to show how sick this society is, how bad off this society is, because essentially we're saying, well, police should just lay down and die rather than defend themselves, because if they defend themselves by nature, they're racist. That's what we're saying right now. That female officer should just lay down and die because she's more worried about being in the news when she would have been justified. She's more worried about Chicago, and this is what she told her chief. She's more worried about Chicago being in the news for killing another black man than defending her life. That is a very, very sad state that we're in. And mark my words, because not only did I say that police would stop defending themselves and start second-guessing themselves and getting themselves hurt, that's already happened in Chicago and Birmingham and in other cities. Mark my words when police just finally say, F it, I'm not even getting out of the car to do anything. Oh, oh, Mr. Police Officer, Mr. Police Officer, please, please, they just broke in my house. Mm, sorry, ma'am. <laughs> Can't help you. Because if someone's in your house and they're black and they fight back and they use deadly force against me and I respond with deadly force and kill them, then you are going to be marching against me because I killed another black man. Oh, oh, Mr. Police Officer, Mr. Police Officer, they just kidnapped my daughter. And they ran that way. Oops. I'm sorry. Because if I give chase and they turn around and point a gun at me and I shoot them, then you will be protesting, not that I saved your daughter, but that I killed another black man. Oh, oh, Mr. Police Officer, they just held me at gunpoint and stole my car. There it is right there going down the street. Oops. I'm sorry. If I give chase and the suspect gets out of the vehicle and flees and shoots at me and I shoot them back, then you're going to protest against me. Or if they try to run me over with that vehicle and I have to shoot into your window to protect my life, not only are you going to protest against me that I killed a black man, but you're going to actually want to sue me for damage to your car that you called me to get back for you. You mark my words. Just give it, give it a second. It'll sink in. That's going to happen across this country because of the last eight years, that's all we've been told. If you're white and you're a police officer, you're racist. Now, when you look back in Charlotte, if you're black and you're a police officer and you shoot a black man, you're racist. You're sold out to the system. Hell, you can't win for losing. 
What do you do? Oh, let's see. The black man in Charlotte had a gun. He pointed it at police. He did not have Skittles in iced tea like Trayvon Martin did. He wasn't dealing with a George Zimmerman citizen. He was dealing with police. Imagine that. But, family, mark my words. And look at crime stats. Let's be honest. It's already happening. There's already slower response times in a lot of cities across this country. It may not be getting reported, but it's happening. I watch numbers like that because to me, numbers mean everything. You can spew color and racism and all this crap down my face, but numbers to me mean everything. Look it up for yourself. Watch the numbers in cities like Chicago, Baltimore, St. Louis. New York. Watch the numbers and tell me if it isn't already happening. Hell, I actually said this on CNN like two years ago, and I had another law enforcement analyst say, no, I don't think that'll happen. And guess what? A week later, NYPD put out a report that officers were responding slower to calls. (laughs) Imagine that. Because, hell, they don't want to be that next person. As much as I miss policing every day, Anytime I see blue lights and siren, I'm like, oh, I wish I could be going. I don't even know what they're going to. Man, I wish I could do it. I see a traffic stop. It's in my nature to want to pull over and act as the backup officer. I miss policing every day, but I am so glad. I am so glad I don't deal with that bull crap that is going on right now in this society, in this country, dealing with police. With that, I'm just about out of time, but of course, I would be remiss if I did not do roll call. And for those, if this is your first time listening to the show, I use the term roll call and most police know exactly what that means. But this is the time I use to highlight an officer killed in the line of duty, paying the ultimate sacrifice, doing what they love, doing what they swore to do, protect and serve. And I just mentioned the city of St. Louis and We all know St. Louis and Ferguson, right? Michael Brown and, oh, hands up, don't shoot, and blah, 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 right? Well, I want to highlight police officer Blake Curtis Snyder, St. Louis County Police Department, shot and killed this past Thursday, October 6th, responding to a disturbance call. He and his partner arrived and were met immediately by gunfire. He was struck at point-blank range, and he was killed Immediately, he served St. Louis Police Department for a total of four years. He survived by his wife and two-year-old son. Think about it. Two-year-old son. Who, listening to the sound of my voice, remembers anything from when they were two years old? I struggle remembering sometimes two days ago, two weeks ago, two months ago, two years ago. Who, listening to the sound of my voice, remembers anything when they were two years old? So I say that to say this. This two-year-old will now only know of his father from looking at pictures and what he is told by his mother. Yeah, St. Louis, the city that went up in flames. Yeah, because of Michael Brown. This officer, who still, even after all of that, went out every day, protected, and served 
And look what he got for it. Because someone didn't like police. So to Officer Blake Curtis Snyder, my prayers to your family. Godspeed to you, sir. Thank you for protecting and serving. Thank you for being willing to pay the ultimate sacrifice. And I want to thank you, my loyal listeners, for listening tonight. I hope I didn't ramble too much. I will see you next week, same time, same place, RadioInfluence.com. I want to thank my friends over at Invent Help. And I want to thank you for listening. And I'm out of here. Good night. To continue the conversation, get updates on the show, and to find out when you can see him on television, follow Vincent on Twitter at Vincent Hill TV. That's at Vincent Hill TV. This has been Beyond the Badge on Radio Influence. Radio Influence brings you the best in digital media broadcasting. When it comes to sports, we've got experts like national sports radio host Rich Herrera, the fabulous sports babe, former Major League Baseball manager Kevin Kennedy, and former Bellator matchmaker Sam Kaplan. Want a good laugh? Then go on the beach with Pants and Roller Girl, or just LOL with Nancy Alexander. And when it comes to real life, Dangerous Conversation with Scott Ledger and Beyond the Badge with Vincent Hill will make you think when it comes to what you want radio influence has you covered find our programming on itunes stitcher tune in radio and radioinfluence.com